You are listening to audio messages from Sunday mornings at Horizon. It is our hope and desire that this podcast would be a useful tool in your growth and in your walk with Christ. If you've not yet subscribed to our various channels, make sure you do so in order to stay up to date with the most current messages. More information about Horizon, as well as notes for this message, can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Good morning, Horizon. Uh, welcome all of those who are watching us online and all of those joining us in Lodi. Thank you for Mason and their team for doing this little video for us. Um, you can give them a hand. I'd love to see them use their talents and try to, um, try to use that as for the glory of God. I mean, helping us on these services. And uh, maybe just like at Christmas time, they did a video and you're thinking, how does this at all connect it to what we're talking about it? But I hope it will make sense. I'll try to get there eventually. As we are going through Second Timothy um, in this series, uh, this letter from Paul to Timothy. And um, let me just read today's passage um, uh, for, to, to start, and that is 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verses 10 to 17. Let's listen as, as, uh, as Paul, again, is instructing Timothy, and as God is speaking to us through his scripture. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that come, came to me, in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the men of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the task that God has given you? Have you ever felt anxious about failing God's expectations for your life? Have you ever felt like a child or like a student in school who's in trouble as pastors talk about all that is God requiring of you? If you have, you know it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling, just like in this video, this boy who is who's so anxious about this test, who knows he can't make it, it's just too much. I don't know if I can do it. And it can quickly turn into the spiral of isolating myself from others, shutting down, not even trying fear, anxiety. It's a dangerous place to be. And if you ever had a child or a spouse or a friend who, who had these feelings of anxiety and, and fear, stress over something that was required of them, and you, you try to help them, you know how difficult that is. You try to encourage them, you try to bring them up, hoping that they will listen and they will find courage to face the task that is in front of them. And as we have been looking through 2 Timothy, I sense a similar dynamic between Timothy and Paul. And to explain, I want to step back for a second from today's passage and answer this bigger question of why did Paul write this letter? 
What was the reason, the specific situation that made it necessary for him to write? And as we've been going through and as I read Paul's words, I think he is concerned for Timothy. He has this concern for Timothy because as he is in prison in Rome, so many of Paul's friends, fellow workers, abandoned him. Churches are in difficult situations because of persecution and inner fighting. And Paul would not need to write this letter if he was fully confident that Timothy will use his gifts. He will fan the flame, as we were saying, or the motto for this, uh, for this series, that he will hold it high, that he will guard it well and pass it on. Paul writes this letter because he is worried that as many others have fallen away and rejected him and ultimately rejected Jesus because Paul's apparently shameful imprisonment, Timothy, his friend, his student, and co-worker might also take a step back rather than forward. You, this is not just a book of Paul's eternal wisdom that he is passing on for the churches or for the ages, but he has this very real concern in this moment. You don't need to tell someone to fend the flames if they're already doing it. You don't have to tell someone not to be ashamed if you know that they are not ashamed. So this is not a letter from Paul to Timothy saying, good job, boy, keep going. But it's a letter of concern where he says, I know these are hard times, but you keep going. I know others have fallen away, but you, you need to keep going. It's this honest realization that Timothy is not immune to the dangers that all of us face if we want to serve God. And in these verses that we read, Paul twice says, but you, but as for you, he makes this, he makes this contrast. A couple of weeks ago when uh, Stephen was talking, he was, he was talking about these imposters, these people who have already decided their fate, they have already rejected Christ or never really followed him, they just pretended. And Paul says, you are not like that, but you still have a chance to decide which way you're going to go but you are different. Your story isn't finished. And that is the moment where we, where we catch this letter in this, in this moment of we can go either way. Timothy is not immune to the dangers. And we don't know exactly if Timothy's faith and ministry was, was wavering and how much was it in this danger or not, but, but Paul saw a need to write. And we know that writing letters at this time was expensive. It was a lot of work to write a letter like this and, and, and to pay for it, to send it to someone. It wasn't as easy as sending a text or an email today. But this means that Paul thought there's a real need to write this letter to encourage Timothy in this moment and through him to encourage the churches. And if you flip it around, you can also imagine this situation from Timothy's perspective. His master, his, his teacher, his friend is in prison and it must have been in this daunting task to try to represent Paul, to continue Paul's ministry without him, to serve the churches, to be Paul's disciple when so many people have fled Paul and they've rejected him. So the young Timothy must have felt that pressure. I, maybe I'm not enough. I'm not Paul. I don't know if I can keep up with what Paul was doing. I don't know if I'm cut out for the task that God has given me. It's just all too hard. So this is the moment that Paul is speaking to Timothy. He's clarifying his mission. He's encouraging him to persevere. 
he's concerned, but there's also so much hope in this letter. As Paul is taking this eternal heavenly perspective and, and talking to Timothy that even in the midst of chaos, God is at work. And he makes his points very carefully and convincingly as he argues, and we have heard in the previous weeks some of these messages, that gifts are not automatic. If you don't fan it, it won't flame. That you can't live a life committed to Jesus without paying the price. Paul says, yes, suffering is an imprisonment and persecution. These are not, not signs of failure, but a part of a life that belongs to Christ. Paul says you need to have a strong biblical conviction to have courage. And that God's desire is not to make you comfortable, but to help you grow. And that is Paul's charge as we heard it repeatedly. Hold it high, guard it well, pass it on. He's charging Timothy, giving him this command. Because he knows that the world is full of chaos and full of dangers. And he needs to guard himself and the churches. But there's hope. Because God's mission is unstoppable. The mission that we're part of is unstoppable. And so there's so much hope as Paul is talking to Timothy. And he's trying to encourage him in this moment. Out of his concern, he tells him, you have what it takes. You have everything to, you need to accomplish your calling. Through the letter, Paul is reminding Timothy again and again, all of the things that he has received, that he has gifts and talents and knowledge, that he has teachers, he has the word to preach, and he will succeed as long as he steps into his role and remains faithful in his ministry. He tells him, your mission is possible. That's the title that I chose for today. Your mission is possible, as Paul is telling this to Timothy. And, and although this letter was written to this specific person, it is speaking to us as well because we all have a calling and a mission. And we all face dangers just like Timothy faced dangers. We all have a mission and a calling and we are all entrusted with different tasks and responsibilities as believers and we are all in the danger of failing, leaving, or mishandling that mission. And so I want to look at some of the mistakes that we make. Some of these dangers that are surrounding our calling, calling. Some of these lies that we believe that keep us back from fulfilling our mission. That make us feel overwhelmed and stressed about the task that was given to us. And the first danger is underestimating or overestimating our mission. There's two sides of it, underestimating or overestimating our mission. This is, this is a danger that Timothy might have dealt with. Again, thinking that I don't matter, we don't matter. He might, might have felt like as he was thinking about Paul and saying, I am not like Paul. I, I haven't done as much as Paul. My ministry is nothing compared to Paul's. And the moment we start comparing ourselves to other Christians, we are in this danger. Because we will always find someone who have done more than us. We will always have so find someone that we can feel bad about ourselves. And then we just, again, keep going down on that spiral. We start feeling that we don't matter, that we're the, we, we don't even have a calling. I don't even have a mission because someone else is greater than mine. Last week was Mission Sunday, and it was so good to hear the stories, but also be reminded of that fact. We're not all cross-cultural missionaries going to another nation to preach the gospel, but we all have a mission. 
And the Bible is really, really, really clear on that, that we all have a mission that matters. And our primary mission is, is our mission as a, as a church, as a community. We are called as a community to glorify God, to embody his kingdom, to be witnesses, ambassadors for him, to show off his love and forgiveness and grace so that it can be visible to the world. And the church is, is this place where God says, this is where I want to show my love and forgiveness and call people into my kingdom. So if you're part of the church, you have a mission. You're part of this mission. And yes, in the church, then we have different callings and roles. Not all missionaries, not all pastors, but we're all needed and all of our work matters to God, whether it's visible or not, whether it's celebrated or not. So that's the first danger that we have to avoid. Don't underestimate your mission. Don't believe that you don't have a calling from God. We all have a mission. We were all made with this purpose to glorify God and to participate in what he's doing. And to fulfill this mission through different callings as, as God calls us as parents, as grandparents, as employers, as employees, as friends, as family members, as citizens of a country, as members of Christ's body. In all of these different ways, we are always participating in what God is doing. And so instead of comparing myself to others, trying, seeing where I'm less than somebody else, look for this calling that God has given you. Understand what he is asking you to do. do. Listen to his voice and he will make it clear what is the role that he has given you in his mission. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. Don't be ashamed. Don't be timid. Because as it says in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, he, that is God, has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That is the calling Timothy is reminding, uh, Paul is reminding Timothy, and that is the calling that we all have in Christ. And the other side of this danger is overestimating our mission. And I made this little seesaw to show these two dangers. One side is underestimating, right? That's when I'm thinking, I don't have a mission or what, what, what I do doesn't matter. And the other side is overestimating. And if you ever, as a kid, play the game and you try it in the middle of the seesaw, it's not easy because it's, it's always wanna tip over to the other side. And that's how kind of our life is, that we're always in the middle where we seek to understand our mission, where we seek to have this right understanding, but we're always tilting. We're always either going down and thinking my mission doesn't matter, or often we go upwards and we overestimate, we overthink of what God has given us. And so the other end of the spectrum is overestimating thinking or believing that everything is my responsibility. A sort of a, a savior complex. When I'm thinking that my family, my church, uh, the universe depends on me. And if I don't do my things right, if I don't, um, if I don't work hard enough, then things are gonna fall apart. If I don't work hard enough, then nothing's gonna happen and God's not gonna love me and we put all sorts of if, if, if afterward of what's going to happen. And it's possible that these, these, uh, these tasks that we assume that they are ours, there can be good things. We can list all sorts of good things that we feel like this is from God. And at the same time, they can be not. It's possible that they are not. And again, when we overestimate our mission, when we, when we tilt that way, that can push us two ways. 
Either again, we will we'll just try to do more and more and more until we burn out because we were not meant to do that much. Or like this boy in the video, we will simply retreat because the tasks we assume are too big. There's no point in studying if I know I'm going to fail. There's no point in trying if I know I'll never meet the requirement that God is calling me to do. And again, we don't know how much Timothy personally had this problem, but we can imagine it is possible that he felt now that Paul is in prison and will probably not come back. All the problems from the churches are on his shoulders. He might have taken it on himself. It's all mine now, and I have to somehow figure it out and fill these shoes. And so the first thing, or one of the, one of the first things that Paul does to help Timothy with this problem, with this danger, is to clarify what is his job and what isn't. If Timothy is overwhelmed about his own ministry, Paul tells him, it's not all on you. That's not all your work because it is God who is the primary actor in this story. This mission is God's and we are just servants in his kingdom. And just to list a few things from this letter as, as Paul is talking about all the things that God is doing or have already done. Paul says, God gives us gifts. God gives us his spirit, power, love, and sound judgment. God saved us and called us. It is Jesus who abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light. It is Jesus who resurrected. It is God whose truth will stand firm. It is God who might change people's heart. It is God who will bring judgment on those who denied God. And it is the Lord who rescues us from persecution. And there's more than that probably in the whole letter. And, and with all of these points, Paul says, those are not your jobs. If God is the one who, who's doing all of these things, Timothy, that is not your job. None of those are yours. You have a job and it's important. Hold it high, guard it well, pass it on. But God is the one who's ultimately will make things work, will work out his purposes in the world through us. So don't overestimate your mission. Don't carry, don't carry things that God has not given you to carry. All of those things belong to God. And I know that some of you, some of us carry burdens that God has not given you to carry. And we're holding on to it thinking, this is, this is what I have to do. This is my responsibility. When God said it isn't, he's not holding responsible uh, you for it. And again, it's not just about church ministry. It's, it's all areas of our life as we are called to serve God in our family, in our job, in our relationships. In all the ways that we, we try to live a Christ-honoring life and we might take on too much. We might feel responsible for things. God says it's not yours, and it will feel heavy. Our mission will feel impossible if we think, if we are carrying things that God kept for himself. Yes, we all have been given a mission from God to serve him, to glorify him, to participate in his work. But we must be so clear on what is his work and what is mine, what is his responsibility and what is mine. Now, let me be clear, it doesn't mean that our mission won't be difficult. Fulfilling our calling in Christ might require sacrifice, a lot of work, perseverance, but it means that our mission is not impossible. It's not meant to wreck you. There's a huge difference between a difficult mission that God has called you on and an impossible mission 
that you have placed upon yourself. Yes, we might suffer. Yes, we might have to endure suffering and persecution as Paul mentions even in this passage. But through Christ, even through suffering, we can be victorious. God's mission might be a difficult one for your life. He might ask you to do difficult things, but so often we make it impossible. Again, by putting things on our shoulders, God never intended. So if you are carrying too much, or if you're carrying nothing because you've already given up, come to Jesus and relearn what is it that God actually requires of you. Paul says to Timothy, and I believe God is telling us today, as many have fallen away, but you have a calling from God that will fit you just right. It's not going to be too big. It's not going to be too small. It's a calling personally to you by God who knows you. It is a mission that is possible. The second danger that we face as we stand on our seesaw and we try to balance the life that we have been given is the danger of undervaluing or overvaluing our resources. The first danger was about our perception of our mission. It's a perception of what is the task that God has given me. I have an idea of what does God want me to do. And the second one is, is, is about our perception of what we have. What are the resources that God then has given me to fulfill that mission? And what are our resources? I mean, we can, we can list everything that we have, our gifts, our talents, our physical bodies, our energy, our time, our money, our power, our influence, our relationships, the people that are helping us, all of those things, again, that God has given us to help us. And it's so important how we look at these things as we face our mission. And just as with our mission, we have, we have the two sides of this danger. We can undervalue or overvalue our resources, or we can try to stand in that middle, understand the correct value of what has been given to us. And I don't think the overvaluing part was, was Timothy's problem, but let me talk about both sides of this danger quickly. If we overvalue our resources, it's a danger to our calling because we become prideful. We become self-centered and self-reliant. If I overvalue of who I am and what has been given to me, then I think I am totally capable of doing everything that God has given me. And I'll start relying on myself rather than relying on God. And again, this can easily lead to a dangerous place where I distance myself from God and then I distance myself from people. Because I don't need God anymore. I, I have the orders. He's given me what to do. I know how to get it done and I will get it done. And I don't need people anymore because I can do better. I know better. I know how to serve God better. And they're just going to be in my way. It's a dangerous place to be. And the truth is that people who are very confident and prideful in these, they might actually become successful. They can build successful companies or ministries or churches and yet miss what the difference between earthly success and making a real impact for God's kingdom. Overestimating, overvaluing our gifts is dangerous to our mission because we put ourselves above the community. As I said, our mission is primarily a communal one. That's our, that's our first mission, what we have as a church. Our individual callings that we receive from God, they will always come under this umbrella of our mission as a church. 
not the other way around. So that's one side of this danger, the overestimating, overvaluing our resources. And I want to talk a little bit more about the other side of the danger. If, you're, if you ever feel worried and inadequate, if you feel like serving God is too hard, it might be because of this danger that you have undervalued what has been given to you, not just in the church, again, but all areas of life. And um, in reading Paul's words, we get this sense that this might have been Timothy's issue, or at least a real danger that he faced. And again, we don't know how much or why, but, but it seems like that he has to be reminded of what God has been giving to him. And one of Paul's main messages throughout the letter is these, these simple words, just look at what you have. Timothy, look at what you have, what God has given you, gifts and talents and knowledge, teachers to follow and a word to preach and a God to trust. Look at what you have. And I want to focus just on three of those things that are highlighted in this passage today, people, scripture, and God. Verse 10 and 11 says, but you have followed my teaching, conduct purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings. Paul says, you have followed me closely. And this follow can mean two things here, has, has this deeper meaning. The first one is, you have been watching my life. You have, been, you have been with me. You have seen how I teach, how I lead, how I serve, how I love. You have seen my ministry, how I stand, stand firm in the midst of persecution. You have been given my example. So cherish that, appreciate that, because not everyone had that chance to walk so closely with Paul and see his life. It is something that God has given you and it should encourage and empower you that you had this chance. But this follow also means you imitated me, like you became my follower, my disciples. You did these things with me. You walked with me. You served with me. You have already tried out all of those things that I have done, you personally, and you've experienced how God is working through those things. Yes, the present moment that you are in, it might be challenging, but just remember the experiences that we had. They speak loudly, and it calls you to keep going. It calls you to keep going. And these verses can make us think, as, as we just read that words, that you have followed me, of who are the people that you are following? Who are the people that we are following? Not fake internet follow, but like actually following them closely knowing their lives so that you can, you can say, just like Paul talking, but like you've seen my faith and my patience and my love. Are you following people like that? That you can tell those things about them? And the people you are following, are they people like that? It's so important that we, we follow the right people, that, that we follow people closely who will show us how to serve God in a closer way. And Paul keeps going and says, it's not just me that God has given you. He keeps listing. He says, there are others who have taught you. And he doesn't mention them by name here, but he's referring to other teachers. And he's referring to, to Timothy's mother and grandmother. Verse 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. You know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, you don't stand alone. This is not a solo mission that God has given you that you need to accomplish without any help of people around you. You were literally born into a community of believers 
You have a mother and a grandmother who were also believers, who are on the same journey with you, who are on the same mission as you. Do we ever struggle with that? Not seeing this gift that we call the church, undervaluing what God has given us. Yes, our mission might feel impossible and difficult if we don't recognize the abundance that God has given us in the church. If we kill, willingly keep ourselves in a distance from real community with others, if we do not submit into this pattern of following, discipling, and being discipled that the church is built on. That's the first thing that Paul is reminding Timothy. Just value the people, value the church. Don't undervalue it. And the second thing that Paul highlights is, is scripture. In verse 15, 17, he says, and you know that from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Don't undervalue the scripture that has been given to you. And Paul is talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament is not written yet, but it's true for the whole Bible. That it is inspired by God and is doing all of these things in our lives. And, and Tim talks a lot about us, the centrality of scripture and how important it is for our faith. So I just wanna highlight one thing from these verses. And it's this list of all the things that are underlined, all of the things that scripture is doing. The image that came to my mind is like, it's like a Swiss army knife that has all these little blades coming out of it, all these different tools that we can use in different ways. And if it is like a Swiss army knife, then why do we so often use only one blade on it? Why do we only use one tool on it? Have we undervalued the richness of scripture that God has given us? We need to open up our Bibles and allow God to use it in all of these ways. If you only read the New Testament, start reading the Old Testament as well. If you only have a few favorite books in the Bible, like go beyond that, read the whole thing from cover to cover. If you only ever use it to learn from it, to gain knowledge in your head, then stop for a moment and listen and see how God is touching your heart or how he's calling you to actually do something about it and not just get smarter and smarter. If you open your Bible and it's only rebuking you, then, then read the parts that encourage you and tells you about the grace of God that has been given to you. And if you're on the other side and you only read, read the verses that make you happy and make you feel good, then maybe read the parts that are rebuking your life that you're living. Because God says it's for both, it's for all of these things. See its beauty, listen to its wisdom, obey its commands, believe in its author who breathed every story, poem and song so that we might be complete and fully equipped for every good work. Use all of these functions. Discover different ways of reading the Bible. If you've only been reading the Bible one way your whole life, try out something new. Memorize it, meditate over scripture, because the word of God is alive and it's working in us through God's power. Don't undervalue this gift we have received. And the third, resource that Timothy mentions in this verse and, and, and also throughout this letter is God himself. 
in the NLT translation, verse 17 says this about scripture. It says, God uses it. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That it's in God's hands, that ultimately God is the one who make things happen. And God is this most important part of this equation. Going back to Paul's repeated words, I had that list about what God has been doing and God is doing. We must recognize that he gave himself to us. He gave himself to us. He's given his presence, his son, his grace, his spirit, and we can go on. So that's the biggest one. We should not underestimate the gift that God has given himself to us. He is our greatest resource. He is our greatest power and force that is helping us to go on in our mission. Our mission is always his mission first. When we serve him, we do nothing that he is not also doing with us. He's at work and his job is so much more important than ours. Ours is important, it's valuable, but compared to his, it's almost nothing. It is his plan, it is his work. So don't underestimate God's power in us. So I believe this is God's message to us through Paul. You have what it takes. You have everything you need to accomplish your calling because of God. Let's not be like this boy in the video who had everything he needed, but he failed because he undervalued his gifts and his time, and he overstressed about the task that was given to him. God will never give you a mission or a task that you don't have the time, the power, the resources, and the community you need to accomplish it. He would never do that because that would be cruel. If I am a good father, I will never ask my children to do something and expect them to do it if I know they can't. I will ask them something, I know they can do it. I will train them to do it. I will give them the tools they need and I will go beside them and help them. That's how God is dealing with us. So Horizon Church, again, God will never give you a mission where he doesn't also give you everything you need to accomplish it. And we know this because of Christ. In Romans 8, 32, this is what Paul says. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? We have all we need. So let's go and do our mission. Amen. I want us to come to God and respond to his word with a prayer now. And I know it's hard so often to apply what we just learned in scripture. And that's why I wanna do the first step right now instead of just telling you, go home and do it. I wanna respond in a prayer. I wanna lead, lead us in a prayer that's gonna be seven parts, okay? So seven thoughts that, that will instruct us how to pray to God. And after each one, I will leave a little time of silence where you can pray those words silently. You can come to God and tell him um, everything that personally is on your heart and need to tell him. So you can close your eyes um, or open them, close your hands or open them, whatever helps you to focus on God. And let's pray together these words. The first one is, a confession. Just come to God and, and tell him sorry for every time you've underestimated 
the mission that was given to you, when you thought or assumed or pretended, I have nothing to do or my work doesn't matter, bring this to God. Let's pray. And the second one is this, say thank you to God. Say thank you to him that he knows you and he loves you and he gave you a mission that is just right for you. Ask him to help you let go of those things that he has not given you to carry. Let's pray. Then come to God and and just tell him, God, I want to discover my calling. I want to work with you because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to him and tell him, let's pray. And then as we talked about the people that has been giving, given to us, take a moment and bring into your mind the people God has given you to follow, those who have contributed to your faith, and pray God's blessing over them. And if you have nobody to follow, pray that God will give you someone. Let's pray. And then on the other side, pray for those who are following you. Your kids, your friends, family members, younger Christians, anyone who has an eye on your life. Pray for them. And again, if you, have, if you feel like there's nobody following me, then pray that God will give you someone, a disciple. Let's pray. And then let's give thanks. Let's give thanks to God for the blessings of his word. And simply ask him that he would open your eyes to the fullness of this gift. Let's pray.
And last, praise and worship God that he is at work in you and through you and around you. Ask his help to see his hand daily and to see yourself as a participant in his mission. Ask him to help you rely on his power, presence, and spirit daily. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have heard our prayers. And I pray for all of us that you would remind us every single day to rely on you, to see our mission, to value what we have been given, and to be faithful as we continue to serve you. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. You guys have a good Sunday and a great week. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.